Welcome back, everyone, to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 54. The crew is here with you. Richard, how's it going? Hey, everyone. What's going on? Seth, what's up, buddy? What's up, guys? All right, so we are T-minus less than one week to the Modern Pro Tour. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, Our just our kind of predictions, our thoughts about the Pro Tour, upcoming decks that w- might be there, just... Every, any kind of uh, inclination we have about Pro Tour, we're going to talk about it this episode. We're also going to cover the SCG Standard Open Columbus, the Standard and the Modern portions. We have a bunch of fish mail to address, and uh, yeah, let's just get right to it. So, uh, we were just talking about, uh, literally as I was doing my in- intro, um, an interesting uh, development, uh, because uh, we wanted to also announce uh, there, there's something going on with MTGO, there's going to be an announcement. Uh, you said, right, Seth? Uh, yeah, new, a new format, tomorrow. apparently. Yeah, new format announced tomorrow, or two days ago, by the time this is actually published. But Right. So, uh, it makes sense that this might be a direct uh, response to something we just... Uh, well, Richard, you, you and Seth just pulled up. Uh, I was not aware of this. Um, Hearthstone is making uh, formats, uh you know, splitting stuff into standard, literally, and, uh, you know, a, a non-standard format where, you know, X cards are not allowed. Uh, but, so that's a pretty huge development. Uh, I don't know uh, the particulars of that, but you should definitely check it out for those of you that play Hearthstone. But around here, we primarily talk about Magic. But uh, Hearthstone does come into the conversation because whether people want to admit it or not, it is sort of a competition um, between the two uh you know, the two card games sometimes. Uh, but that's really interesting. What what um, what um does that do for you, Richard? Because I know you enjoy Hearthstone quite a bit. Uh, I know every once in a while I log on and see what the new cards are like, and I, I play some. And uh, it used to be really bad because you couldn't get any of the old cards in Arena. You only got the newest set, but they changed that recently. Uh, but there's still a problem of having to buy the old expansions if you wanted to play. And I think right. they've gone the magic route with uh, core sets and expansions, because apparently uh, Curse of Nexramus and Goblins vs. Gnomes are not part of Standard. So basically the two uh, oldest adventures, I believe they're called, you know, the ones where you just pay some money for uh, a set of levels. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know what this means, but this just means Hearthstone is getting more mature. Uh, it, it's going to look like magic, and it provides a superior online experience. So it's catching up, and it's catching up quick. Like They're getting new rules. Uh, now you see this uh, standard slash legacy thing. Uh, you know, how soon till we see instance? I don't know, right? But it, it's slowly getting more complicated as the game grows and grows. And uh, right now, Magic has the advantage of it being a lot more complex. Uh, it'll, it'll probably stay that way. I don't think Hearthstone is aiming to be that complex, but it's probably bringing up the level of complexity up enough that a lot of people will just be fine with it. So... Yeah, it's just news that Hearthstone is becoming more and more legit as, you know, as if it wasn't legit enough already. Yeah, and, and it and certainly makes it easier for people to grind back into collections, you know, and, and not always having that, you know, feeling of being left behind, you know. Um, but yeah, just a, so just a random aside there, don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, let's just sit right down and talk about the... The standard open Columbus. Uh, I know you watched a little bit of it, Seth. Uh, Richard, did you get to watch any of the coverage? I didn't watch any this weekend. All right. Uh, so good coverage team. Ryan Overturf, uh, I, I know personally over over Twitter. Uh, very good dude. Uh, really good w- uh, with Matthias Hunt. So good coverage team there. I like these new 
coverage teams they have uh, going in there. Looking forward to many more of the uh, you know new duos. But uh, what did you think of the event overall, Seth? Because it looks like Rally and some sort of deck based around Collected Company is the deck to be playing in Standard right now. Yeah, I mean, I got to see some of it. I was also moving this past weekend, so I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to. But from the bits and pieces I caught, Rally was a big story, Collected Company, and also almost every time I caught a match, it felt like someone was playing Red Black Dragons. Like, that deck was all over the place throughout the whole tournament, too. So those were the big takeaways. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same old thing. Abzan splashing blue, Mardu splashing green, all this crazy four-color stuff. And the the new decks that we saw the first weekend just didn't show up at all. There are, like, no Eldrazi decks. There's one blue-red Prowess deck. So it's really weird that those decks just fell off a cliff in week two after being a really big part of the first week. Yeah, and that's kind of what we discussed, right, Seth? Like, as, well, just standard right now, it's just too good to not play all these colors, right? I mean, it's... It's really just kind of back to, all right, we tried the experiment, you know, Oath is still impactful, but, I mean, the way mana bases and how easy it is to splash colors and all these value multicolor cards, I mean, it's really no, you're not really gaining an advantage by not playing them. That, that's my theory, that it's, the mana is just too good with fetches and the battle for Zendikar duels that you, you can't screw that up by playing eight pain lands so you can cast thought not seers and matter reshapers even though those cards are super powerful so i think we're back to probably hoping that the modern pro tour shows us some of those cards but mostly waiting for rotation in april and then those cards i think will really take off yeah um just a couple uh you know quick notes that i took uh reflector mage is a really good card (laughs) so uh, i think that goes without saying and uh, we're seeing a lot of Sylvan Advocate, and that card is doing a lot of work. I mean, it's doing a ton of heavy lifting. Yeah, it's really amazing to me. Like, Reflector Mage, when you read that card, it reads a lot like a really good limited card, like a Mana War or something. So it's really surprising to me that just that little tweak where you can't recast the creature the next turn bumps the card from basically unplayable and constructed to almost a constructed staple. Like, that's how much that ability that ability matters. Yeah, and just, like, taking that def- uh, the, the toughness up, to three actually makes a difference sometimes uh it can block like cards like zergo profitably um and it's just it's it's just an all-around great card and sylvan advocate is just nuts um six lands is obviously not a huge factor and with cards like when people are packing four lumbering falls in the late game that's just brutal yeah i mean it's it's better than I gave it credit for. I'll definitely give it that. I'm still not sold on it being a standard staple, but it's seeing a lot more play than I expected. Yeah. Uh, Richard, is there any kind of observations that you had just looking through the deck list of of this tournament? I mean, you're right. Uh, We all kind of saw the the reins being pulled back on all of these uh, deck lists that we saw just a week ago. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. Um, Reflector Mage is all over the place. Sylvan Advocate. Uh, I think a lot of us missed the part of the land creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So when yeah. a Shambling Vent or a Lumbering Falls gets that bonus, it, it looks pretty sweet. Um, but it's it's just rally everywhere. Uh, these it, It's really hard to know what a deck does now because they're all four-color decks. <laughs> and right. they all have names, you know, Abzan something, Marty something, Jeskai something. Uh, what happened to, like, good old, like, original names? You know, like, uh, uh, you know, like, what's, what's eggs called? Second Breakfast? 
Yeah. Like, like things like that, right? Or Dead Guy Ale, you know? Yeah. Cool names instead of like Mardu Green and Absent Blue. Um, but this is the standard we're in, and there's just so much collected company uh, floating around. It's, I, I guess, like a lot of people, right? I think you guys are really high on that card, and it's, it's proving to be correct. Speaking of deck names, did either of you read uh, Matt Sperling's Sick of It article for this month? That, that was, was very interesting. That was very funny. He, he, <laughs> he had a bunch of proposed deck names for the exact thing you were saying, that Jeskai Black and Mardu Blue were just horrible deck names. So some of them were, were pretty funny. I got a kick out yeah. of them. So you should check it out on Channel Fireball. It was, it was a pretty funny article. Very interesting stuff. Um, yeah, uh, switching gears to the modern classic, uh, it wasn't totally dominated by... <laughs> Uh, by aggressive strategies this time around, uh, we definitely see. Um, I mean, Dan Jessup took it down with Infect, but we're still we're seeing Scape Shift, we're seeing a lot of Tron, Jund, uh, Kiki Cord, uh, pioneered by Jeff Hooglin. So there's definitely some uh, variation there, but mostly it's still a maybe you know the wild cards aren't out there yet, and maybe we see when we talk about. Pro Tour this coming this weekend and our and our thoughts about that, but uh, maybe people are just not playing their 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 hand figuratively or you know no pun intended. But uh, we're not seeing a lot of new strategies. We're just seeing the same old strategies that have been around, but are now more prominent because uh, Bloom Titan and and uh, Splinter Twin are gone. And to be fair, there were also three GPs this weekend for Limited, so I think a lot of the pros were at the GPs rather than this uh, SCG event, so that might be part of it too, is that the the pros with the new decks hopefully just weren't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, there's we only had two weeks to kind of get some sort of results for modern, but it still looks like, I mean, there's some variations. I mean, you still have, you know, mono, mono black Eldrazi. You still have some interesting deck lists showing up on, on the site. Uh, uh, the site does track uh, modern leagues and, and other large events. So you are seeing, if you look through, you see some interesting deck lists, but I, I don't think we're going to be seeing, um, you know, the, this really interesting tech until the Pro Tour, if there even is any. Yeah, you guys are very optimistic. Like, just looking at this top eight, like, the innovations here were a one warping whale in RG Tron. Uh, someone else decided to play two world breakers. Uh, Jun, for some reason, played two Doom Blades. Um, and that, that's the extent of the innovation we saw in yeah. the top eight. And, you know, a lot of it is people hiding their tech, but, like, Twin is gone, right? And it's just the other decks just came in and filled the right. space. Like, it's not like, you know, the, the new Eldrazi deck was around when Twin was still around, right? So it's not like there are just magic archetypes. Uh, we're just seeing a reconfiguration of the existing ones, which is kind of what a lot of people feared. And I think that's going to come to fruition, but we'll have to, we'll have to see. Maybe we'll get some off-the-wall combos coming out. Uh, at the Pro Tour, but we'll have to wait for next week to see that. Weekend of Burn Mirrors and Infect vs. Tron, I'm going to be so disappointed. Battle <laughs> but, up, but, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, Richard really does have a point. I mean, if we look at the couple last Pro Tours when there was like kind of a bigger meta change, I mean, really what you see in these couple tournaments beforehand is kind of the outlier of what we're going to see. Not, not to say we're not going to see anything different. I'm assuming there's going to be, but, I mean... Richard's right in a sense that, I mean, I'm not saying I try to be optimistic, but, I mean, I can't accept the fact that, I mean, Infect, Affinity, uh, Naya Burn, like, all these Burn lists, Tron, all those deck lists are already really good and, and, like, a really big factor in Modern right now. I mean, with Twin gone, 
I understand, and, and Bloom Titan Gun, I understand there's a little bit room, more room for innovation, but, I mean, people are just going to take these as the outlier, you know, go and, and, and basically play these deck lists and play these archetypes. I mean, and, and that's really kind of what we're going to get, I think. I, I don't think we're going to get that much interesting stuff. Honestly, I would rather watch Twin Mirrors all weekend than have to watch Burn vs. Infect vs. Tron all weekend. That, hey, that's I'm, just me personally, but I think Twin Mirrors are way more interesting than a five-minute Burn Mirror. I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, I everyone on this cast was kind of in the camp that uh, I, we didn't really feel that Twin needed to be banned. And it was kind of like that deck that needed to exist, uh, even as, you know, in its inner as it was presented in, in modern. I mean, as, as a deck, it needed to exist. You, you know, I just thought of this. You know how uh, in the playoffs in the NFL now they get, uh, I think it's CBS, they get Jay Felian, like the ex-kicker yeah. whenever they kick. So for the top eight, they should have, like, uh, Patrick Sullivan on the side. So when it's that burn <laughs> mirror, they're like, okay, wait, he suspended a rift bolt. What does this mean? Tell us the lines, Patrick. <laughs> just, just, just bring in the pros from the side. You know, you can get uh, Frank Karsten for the affinity matches. Yeah, really Adel for VGX. Yeah. You know, yep. it actually make coverage a lot more interesting if we knew kind of the intricacies of these plays that kind of just go over our head, right? When we're just watching. Because that's that's one of the things with that sometimes happens on the official pro tour coverage is unless like LSV's in there, sometimes it ends up feeling like uh, Randy, for example, just isn't that knowledgeable in a specific matchup. So if you had these like ringers that you could bring in, like Richard was suggesting, I think that would improve the quality of the coverage a ton. Even if you only had them in when their like specific deck was on camera, I would that would be awesome to be able to hear someone who is just like the best in the world at a specific deck be able to explain the deck to everyone on coverage. That would be so sweet. Yeah, especially I mean, if we're going to be getting all these <laughs> all these texts that we're accustomed to at this point, uh, that would likely at least keep it interesting. Because, like you said, Seth, I mean, saddle up because it's going to be a lot of burn, a lot of jund, a lot of tron. It's just going to be what what we had before. I mean, what we had while Twin was around. It's just every deck is now, I guess, better. On the other hand, prominent. On the other hand, someone five would a modern league with troll worship this week. So <laughs> that was that's really crazy. Was that you, Seth? No, no, it, it was not me. Someone else actually played the deck and did well with it. Yeah, uh, and subsequently the card is now going up. I mean, it's it's really not bad if you think about it. It is so yeah. troll. It, it it's awesome, but it is like the it's just the perfect troll deck. Like it's it's so funny to see. I I I definitely I, I played a game against Affinity when I was playing it, and they you'll you'll be able to sympathize with this Chaz as an Affinity player. But I got a a hexproof creature and a worship down, and they literally could not beat me. And we played through our entire decks, and I won because I ghost quartered them at one point, and they searched for a basic land, so they had one <laughs> less card in their deck. So we played the fifty three turn game. So it, yeah. it's pretty demoralizing in some matchups for the opponent that just, like, can't interact with it. Yeah, I mean, there's really no way they can beat you. <laughs> I mean, it's, there literally is no way to win uh, at that point, which is why I was always kind of a proponent to have uh, um, Disciple of the Vault in the 75 again at some point, in some capacity, just to get around stuff like that. Yeah, that is that is a good suggestion, actually. Yeah. I, I always thought I always thought it really should have never left the deck, but I mean, obviously, we you know the deck has evolved. 
So but, do, you, uh, do you want to do Pro Tour predictions? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you, what do you guys think will take down the tournament, and what, what will the top eight be comprised of? Right, well, just to reiterate, um, the Pro Tour is going back to the five-round top eight, um, and that kind of has implications uh, for for more aggressive decks that they're going to have to play more post-board uh, games, uh, and rather just not, and you know, obviously it would, it's a little better when it's three because you can just still kind of blitz them. Um, in a in a more elongated five rounds, uh, you're playing more post boards, and when you're playing a deck like Affinity or something like that, and the post board games are really awful. Uh, sometimes uh, it, it definitely has a factor uh, in terms of what's gonna win. I think I think Burn might win. <laughs> I I was gonna say the same thing actually. Like I that's the least thing I want to see happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if Burn took down the tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Jund. I think Jund's gonna win. I, I think yeah. the top eight's gonna be filled with Infect, Burn, and Tron, and because of the post board games, Jund is gonna like. Yeah, that's definitely the, my second the top pick. eight. Although that's I do think we're gonna see a Jeskai control somewhere in there, or a Jeskai tempo. I think spreading seas will be big at the Pro Tour. I've been seeing so much spreading seas online; it's like ridiculous. Like I, everyone I, loves it to battle well, the Merfolk? big damage decks. Uh, outside of Merfolk. Merfolk obviously. Oh, oh, just like as a oh, just as like a uh, blue stone rain. It's a blue stone rain. That's like yeah, you're right. And like every blue deck I've seen from Grixis to Jeskai uh, to you know um, just Is It decks, they they're playing four spreading seas just to stop the big mana decks. So that's very popular. I think an Eldrazi deck, a non-Tron Eldrazi deck, will make the top eight. I think eight, at least one team, I still think is going to show up with a sweet Eldrazi-based deck. Yeah, a, a and aggro I deck or a ramp deck? I think I, I, I've I, seen these lists compromise where it's not super big, but they play like the Forethought Not Seer for um, uh, the four uh, Reality Smasher. Yeah, I would list. be... I would be surprised if it was, like, an Eldrazi Mimic, like, turn two combo deck. But I don't think it'll be, like, a four Ulamog deck either. I think it'll be kind of like what Chaz was saying, like, a mid-rangey deck that probably plays Oblivion Sowers and maybe a copy or two of Ulamog, but then those good mid-range creatures that we saw from Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah, because Reality Smasher is insane. In Especially modern. on turn two. Like, it's just, God, it's... like, so good. My goodness, it's a really brutal card. <laughs> it's so massive and yeah it's like it's it's just it can come out as early as turn two and it's just a straight up better like better than any of those um phyrexian negator type cards it's crazy and from like playing that deck it it will come down fairly consistently on turn two if you're a deck that's playing right four four eye of ugans four eldrazi temples and some number of urborgs like you typically have the ability to cast a four mana eldrazi on turn two like more often than not like that's a normal hand for you it's not like some magical christmas land thing Right, and and the wait the standard would be like turn three, and even that you're way ahead of the curve. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I think yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Seth. I I think we might see one go really deep into the tournament because that deck is really kind of nuts. Time to break out tribute to hunger. <laughs> is, that, is that the best edict we have? Diabolic edict is not legal, right? It is. It is legal. It is. Or, in modern- yeah. I, no. I believe the, so. The two mana edict? Why does no one play that? that seems What's crazy. the one from... It no, was printed from... in 10th edition. What was the edict in 10th edition? It's a two mana edict. Diab- Diab- oh, oh. Um, no, I don't think so. It's not Diabolic Edict. 
Uh, I don't think we have a two-mana edict. A cruel edict? Two-mana edict, but it's a sorcery. Oh, no, that's terrible. Then. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, that's awful. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, the best you have is, um, yeah, the one Richard said. Tribute to Hunger. Wait, that's yeah. gain life equal to toughness? Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. Kill your reality smash or gain five life. Yep. But that's three mana, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's terrible. You don't... <laughs> I don't know. You put this rough. in your deck. <laughs> but it gets around the discarding a card for targeting. I mean... It does. When you, and you gain five when you, life. When you just play more Liliana's... If you want, we're going to do that. Yeah, the oh. problem is Liliana's really bad. Like, if they play it first, you play Liliana, that's pretty sweet. But if you play Liliana, and then they play it and smash you Liliana, <laughs> yeah, you're, like, very sad, right? So Yeah. It's not a universal trump card. Right. We, and now you're really in the, like, really bad off because, like, none of your removal is good enough to get yeah, rid of it. You already lost the card to Liliana, and now if you want to remove this, you're going to lose another card. Like, yeah, we, now you're really bad. We skipped right over Devour Flesh. Two mana edict. Ooh. Target player stacks the creature, then gains life equal to the creature's toughness. I actually really like oh. Flash. That's main deckable because you can just like gain five life off your going for fun to like not die against birds. Right, you're right. Gate crash. Good job, Seth. Good job. We we dug deep there. <laughs> <laughs> that was some serious fact finding right there. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's really too close. Like it's really. I don't know. It's too too speculative to know, but I I think I think those are all really good predictions. Unfortunately, I think oh, there's also guest verdict, which is double black, but it makes the yeah, player I, lose the life. life. Um, yeah. I'm holding out hope that we get some sweetness, but I think like we've all been saying, I'm I'm preparing myself to be disappointed to see a bunch of matchups I'm not really interested in this weekend. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if, if, if it's any consolation prize, um, a anonymous per, I will keep this person anonymous. Uh, someone bought, uh, my foil boom busts specifically for the pro tour. So you heard it here first. Ooh. <laughs> there will be boom busts at the tournament in some capacity. <laughs> one person, <laughs> one person is now playing boom bust. Hey man, I don't know. Yeah. Dark goblin, dark dwellers. You never know. Get better load up on that red snapcaster. Yeah. You you play like a turn turn three stone rain. You go goblin dark. Dw- Maybe they're taking your deck to the uh to the pro tour. Three, set. four, five. Wait, if you just play a Johnny on turn four, how how long before you can ultimate? <laughs> the the dingus egg. They're gonna win with dingus egg, just like in against odds. <laughs> gotcha. Got it. All right, so we, we got to get you queued for a pro tour, so we can uh, we do a Casey Odds pro tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be pretty sweet, actually. Where was? Maybe... Where is that list? I'm trying to pull it up, actually. Oh man, it was so bad. Um, I think it was Modern Land Destruction. I think I called it. Okay. Your standard That's... Land Destruction was pretty. The good. standard one was actually sweet. The the modern one. I think the problem was I went with the Dingus Egg plan, which. That was, I mean, it's very against the odds, but if you wanted a competitive land destruction deck, it's not going to have Dingus Egg in it. I don't know that there's such thing as a competitive land destruction deck. All right, here we when go. people Modern just, land like, turn death, one goblin guide you and kill you with that alone. <laughs> I got it for you. Modern land death that you called it. The, uh, Burn, for example, really don't care if you stone rain them every turn because they can just kill you with one land. Hey, this is this is actually not bad. I mean, if you if you just take out acidic slime and you put in goblin dark dwellers, 
Yeah. And you take out Dingus Egg, obviously. That yes. Seems, please take out Dingus to, Egg. That has to go. Outpost Siege could probably go. This is actually not bad. Throw in some worships and we got a deck. <laughs> how did you? <laughs> how did you not have a uh, creeping mold? Um, isn't that just the four mana land destruction yeah. spell? I figured the acidic slime was or better. Milani acid. What what is that one called? Milani <laughs> acid moss. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that that is a card. I know it is. It it is. I know you're right. I think that's another horrible card though. <laughs> It is, it's you destroy, it's green, and you destroy any land, and you get to search for a forest card and put it into play tapped. Hmm. It's from Time Spiral. There's, uh, what, what about, uh, is it Lava Ball Trap? Is that the one if someone plays a fetch, you can destroy two of their lands for, like, five mana? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know, that might be pushing it. <laughs> Or or just like a wildfire deck. That was the, that was probably the better land destruction deck I made in modern. Was like the eminent domain deck where you just steal your opponent's lands and then wildfire them so you can yeah. sack their lands that you stole. Lava I don't know if ball that... trap is five. Oh, that's that's rough. So yeah, I don't. That was the problem I ran into playing it. Is I just felt like why it's really good against some decks and like. I don't know how, like, Tron, for example, ever beats someone stone-raining them every, every single turn. There's some decks that just really don't care. Like, they're fine with you stone-raining them, like Zoo, Burn. Like, they play a Wild Nakatl, and you just die to their turn one play <laughs> while you stone-rain them over and over again. <laughs> and they only need one win to make Wild Nakatl a 3-3. I, I mean, honestly, though, even if it's a 1-1, it's still going to get there. Like, how are we stopping them with our stone-rains? <laughs> Oh man, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, but hey, my boom bust will be there. So you know, who knows? Maybe they just adopted your deck and, and changed it. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I mean, there was a boom bust zoo deck a while ago that was actually like a tier one deck. Yeah. In it. Yeah, it was. Bust zoo. Let me see. Um. Yeah, they could easily bring this back. I mean, it's basically Birds. a normal zoo deck, right? That's running uh, for Boomba. Well, yeah, but you got to play Bloodbraid Elf, <laughs> which helped. <laughs> yeah, because you can you can play the you can play the bust side off of. But you could probably. Elf. But you could probably play uh, Dark Dwellers in that slot and do the same thing from the graveyard, right? Right. Well, yeah, you can. Bloodbraid Elf actually helps you win the game when you don't have the Boombus. But menace, yeah. <laughs> menace. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> Three two haste. Oh my god, <laughs> Bloodbraid Elf is so broken. Why was this ever a card? <laughs> no, but I mean, really, menace though. <laughs> uh, Dude, do you think about it? Yeah, you just menace and they can't block. They can't, like, like, I block with two creatures. No, no, it's menace. You can't yeah. block. Just no, take no, their goyf and rip it off and throw it away. <laughs> You're like, no, you can't block. Yeah. God, uh, God, that would be awful. Oh yes. Um. So yeah, I, I think those are really our predictions. Uh, sit tight because it's going to be. Again, you're probably we'll, we'll, we we will see some innovation. I mean, it's a pro tour. There's going to be some kind of deck that's just not pegged to you know as the just the generic decks that we've been seeing over and over again in the past two week or a couple weeks. Um. You know that are pegged to be. The, the new things in modern, now the twin and uh, bloom titan are gone. But, I mean, yeah, you, to to not say we're not going to see a ton of Tron or Burn or Infect, and uh, I think is a little naive. 
You heard it from Chaz, uh, Land Destruction winning the Pro Tour. I mean, hey, it's <laughs> going to be there, so it's just as much of a legitimate shot as any other person. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, see? I'm, I'm always thinking. It. Yeah. We're going to see stay on. <laughs> and, and, and if the deck with the boom busts in them, if they're foil, they're mine. So... <laughs> They were from me, so that's that's something I will definitely be watching. So it's kind of like you're queued for the Pro Tour, sort of, like finance. I'm vi- I am vicariously queued into the Pro Tour via this person. The problem is when they spike afterwards, you don't have your copies anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm okay with that. I I uh, I made out well enough. But hey, you know, well, this person can now carry on the extra proceeds from that. The one thing I'll say is, regardless of what happens, I'm super excited for this Pro Tour, and I'm gonna, I'm planning on watching it all weekend. And it's even if it's the matchups I don't want to see, I still expect it to be good and entertaining. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch it. I love Modern. I think it's going to be uh, worth watching, and and I, I like that this Pro Tour is Modern, despite what anyone really says. Um, but all right, moving along, we have some some fish mail to address, so let's let's talk about those. All right, uh, from Evan Jones. I think this came in via Facebook. Uh, thoughts on Goblin Dark Dwellers in Standard, <laughs> which we just talked about. Uh, I noticed uh, in your update to the budget list, it wasn't included. Wasn't sure if this was to keep the decks as budget as possible or if it's too slow. So what do you guys so, think of Dark Dwellers in Standard? Well, in regards to the Goblins deck in specific, initially I was like, oh, it's going to be really sweet in that deck. We can flashback burn spells and Hordling Outburst. Uh, The thing I realized is, oh, I think we play like 20 lands in that deck, and that's just not enough to consistently cast a Dark Dwellers. So we would have to like rework the whole deck. And the the reason to play the Goblins deck is because it's so aggressive and can win on turn four really consistently if it doesn't have... uh, run into a lot of disruption. So it would change too much of like what the deck's about to try to play enough lands to run Goblin Dark Dweller. So that's why I left it out of that deck in specific. Yeah. I mean, just to extend off of that and, and like more of a reasoning is that you're exactly right, Seth. Like it's not like a curved topper in an aggressive list. This is a value creature that you're playing to get that value. Um, yeah, I understand it's a four with menace but uh and we kept trying to <laughs> push that cause <laughs> that it has menace so much but uh no really uh, it's it's more of like the seed like the red siege rhino where you're getting that value out of the creature rather than it being like a super aggressive card i think it'll be really good and already is good in standard though. it already like, is really good guy I mean. in decks like that that can flashback colgan's command or crackling doom like mid-range decks where you can get that value out of it so i think it's a yeah. good card it's just not a good goblins card Right. I mean, you're already seeing, like, these red and black lists uh, uh, incorporate Goblin Dark Dwellers and cards like Kalitas and Pia and Kira Noir. I mean, that's that's not going away in April. And when we do see that shift to more of two-color, maybe three-color deck lists, I mean, yeah, Goblin Dark Dwellers is poised to be really good. I mean, you're assuming... You you assume at least there's going to be one decent spell in Shadows over Innistrad worth uh, flashing back with this card, pseudo-flashing back, rather. Um, but yeah, I mean, it already has a good bevy amount of spells to uh, play around with. It's just an all-around good card. Yeah, I agree with you guys. If there was a standard Pro Tour coming up, I think Goblin Dark Dwellers would be one of the major players. So yeah, all right, I think we'll see a lot of these uh, menacing goblins in the near future. Yeah. Uh, next question. 
from DJ Tiny Tim. Uh, his name is pronounced Tim Salen. We've been pronouncing it wrong the entire time. Uh, finance question. In the past year, starting on Magic Online, I have a massive collection worth about $4,000. Uh, I wonder how difficult it would be to start an online magic store, a.k.a. Uh, card hoarder or MTGO traders. How much of an investment would be required up front? How does one go about buying or creating slash buying bots? Is it worth it? What are the risks that Magic Online folds and my investment is worth nothing? Um, Not to directly answer this question, but I did see recently there was an article interviewing Heath Newton from MTGO traders. I don't know if you saw that article, Seth. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I would definitely start there. Uh, because that, that had some really valuable information and in it. I think he said that, and now this was almost 15 years ago, I think it was 2003 when he started MTGO Traders, but he started it with $2,000 from a student loan. So it might be more today with inflation and all that stuff, but I don't think it's a super massive initial investment compared to other businesses you could create. So I And I don't think it's that hard to do. There are people out there that have bots that will sell you the use of a bot basically, or the programming for the bot for a pretty reasonable price. The problem you run into is margins on magic online are super, super thin. So you're making maybe five or 10% in the best case on the cards on the spread between buying and selling. And there's already some big players and there's a ton of random bots out there. So it's going to be really hard to make a real living just starting your own bot because Everyone already knows MTGO Traders, Card Hoarder, Card Nexus, Goat Bots, and you'll just be another one of those faceless bots in the classified. If you want to start MTGO Traders or Card Hoarder, that's a much bigger investment because you're making a real professional website. You have 24-hour customer service with employees, and that would cost a lot more. So, Yeah, yeah I've spoken to these guys a lot, and margins are terrible on Magic Online. Uh, it's, it's very hard to get started here because... Uh, you know, these big established businesses, they can go by making, you know, a couple percentage points. But, you know, is it worth your time to sit there, work eight hours and make five bucks, right? Like you, you don't have the scale already. So it's kind of like, I want to compete with Walmart. You know, what what can I do? Right? It's very hard to, to go up against that, especially given how competitive it is now. It, it might have been possible, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, but now it, it just seems like so competitive. So uh, I, I probably do what most other people do, which is just play casually and you know dabble in mtg finance if you if you had the inkling but like starting up a full-blown bot that's like you know an actual business and it's gonna be pretty difficult two other quick things one is i think as just a regular person you'll make more money dabbling in mtg finance on magic online than you would trying to run an actual bot with all the costs associated to it but the other thing is all of those people um heath from mtgo traders nathan from card hoarder uh, card nexus on twitter they're all really friendly guys so if you tweet at them they there's a chance that they will be able to answer some questions for you if this is something you are interested in so don't uh be afraid to tweet at them and see if maybe they can help you out with the, some of the questions you have yeah all right moving on we have uh at chinster 84 does keeping the card in the plastic add value uh, is referred to promos. So BFD, OGW promos, MPR bolt, and full art card packs. Um, I, depending on the card, I would think it's worth leaving it in there. The the thing is though, how much more though? Worth not playing with your cards? The, oh, I I, yeah, I don't. 
I have, I have never met anyone who was like, wow, I will pay double if the card is still in the plastic. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. that person this exists is, if you can find them, but I don't think that's common. This, that's not really common, yeah. Um, this is not like, you know, uh, the toy market where, you know, you have like a vintage Superman action figure or something like that, you know, pristine in the, in the, in the box. Um, no, nowadays, yeah, I would just take them out of the wrapping and just sell them. <laughs> I mean, you're, I don't even think you can really, there's, there, I mean, unless you're selling on like eBay primarily, like if you were to sell on TCG player or, you know, some other avenue, you can't even really like advertise that it's in the, <laughs> that is in the case or the plastic anyway. And yeah, you're like said, Seth, uh, Seth said, there's not a large percentage of people. It'd probably be very, very minute that would say, oh yeah, I'm definitely paying the extra like five bucks because it's in the, in the, the plastic. There, well, what about higher end things like, um, say the judge packs? Or uh, the the Comic Con Planeswalker sets? Is there any value in keeping those things sealed? Yes, it probably especially over the long term when everyone else cracks theirs open. Maybe five years from now, there won't be many left sealed, and it might pay off. And I was also yeah. going to say, if you somehow run into vintage uh, cards like the old Magic Player Rewards uh, cards, where you have like the uh, textless, cryptic, and damnation. If you run into some of those sealed for some reason, those might actually be worth more, just because they're they're probably pretty rare at this point. Last question uh, from at mask icon masticon. Uh, what's your thoughts on foil waste? Uh, Fifteen dollars on Puka, twelve dollars TCG mid, uh, twenty to twenty five dollars in two years? Question mark or more? I take the under on twenty to twenty five dollars in two years. I mean, they're they're already twelve and fifteen. I think that might be inflated. But you have to think like, yeah, there, maybe that this is going to be the only time we ever see them. But it, in the like constructed viability sense, like, is it better to play actual waste than it is to play like Grove of the Burn Willows or like a Carpusen Forest or any of the Painlands or just any of those cards that can add. Uh, a generic or a colorless and do something else like how many of these are you actually going to be playing to warrant the price tag yeah i think that's the problem is they just aren't really constructed playable and since they've made it sound like wastes are a kind of a one-time thing it's unlikely they're going to print cards that make wastes better in the future uh at least in the near future so it's not it's one of those cards that is as good as it's ever going to get right now where you have these colorless cards in standard and maybe there's some like ruin in their wake is sort of a reason you might play them right the only thing is they might matter in commander but i don't know enough about commander finance like if there's people that are building colorless commander decks and want to have uh, 36 right. foil wastes in their deck, and that's their entire mana base. That could help with the price. I just don't know enough about Commander Finance to know if that could keep the price over 20 bucks. Yeah, and deck building. I mean, even then, I mean, if they were really deck building, there's definitely a lot of colorless producing lands outside of waste that they could be using, especially with that rule, co- that, that co- the Commander rule change. I think they changed rule four, right, uh, where it doesn't four. really matter. Something about uh, mana being produced, I don't know if that really applies. It used to be that if you produced colored mana outside of your uh, color identity, it would become colorless, which basically let you use a Birds of Paradise to make colorless mana, but they changed it so it continues to produce the normal color. Okay, so that really has no bearing on what I was saying. But um, yeah, I mean, I just don't know how many ways are you really going to be playing. I mean, with cards like 
uh, like Temple of the False God, like, I don't know. Maybe, I guess you need a specific amount of waste if you're going to uh, play um, Commander. So yeah, that that is a uh, a factor there. But I would uh, double check with more people who are really into um, EDH and EDH aficionados out there. Well, we need our unhinged wastes. We need a return to unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you guys. I, I don't think waste is that playable. I don't... I don't see people forking out big bucks for it, but I also don't see like you know that commander deck with thirty wastes in it. Uh, like Chow said, there's too many utility lands. You wouldn't play that many wastes, so I, I don't know who would want this card other than the fact that hey, it's the first printing of wastes and it's the foil version. Right. Uh, that's yeah. That's all our fish meal. All right. Awesome. Um, I think we covered everything that we wanted to talk about, right? I think so. Yeah, uh, covered the fish mail, covered both uh, uh, Star City Games events. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be back after the Pro Tour. I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Um, hope everyone enjoyed the release day on MTGO. And uh, yeah, we'll have a pretty good um, uh, show for you guys after the Pro Tour as a like, as a postmortem. So we'll we'll discuss that and we'll see if we can get a guest on. So yeah, any final things out the door? Oh, uh, just uh. Well, I guess it'll be too late. I was going to say, if you are planning on specking on anything related to the Pro Tour, do it early instead of waiting until the Pro Tour is happening. But by the time this podcast is posted, um, <laughs> it will be too late. So I guess not. Yeah, I mean, it's not like either of us has not said this in prior casts or via social media numerous yeah. times. Yeah, just a reminder. but Yeah, um, whether it be you know picking up for speculation purposes or just to play the cards, I mean... Uh, don't wait. And if you're really glued to the to the uh, um, to the coverage, and you see a card that you're, or a deck that is doing well and it's outside of the normal decks that you're seeing, um, I would try to order from a reputable site so you don't get order cancellations and all that uh, unfortunate stuff that happens uh, during Pro Tour time. So yeah. Uh, with that being said, this is uh, MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you after the Pro Tour.